0: and Welcome to episode 249 of 40 going on 14. I am Mike.
1: I am Patrick.
2: I'm Joel.
0: And I'm Josh.
1: And me and the guys have been working on a time machine to help me go back in time and keep us from ever doing the Peter Pan episode.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, then what will we reference for the worst episode ever? Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I realized I didn't have a couch gag until I went out to get a beer right before we started. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So yeah, so this week we are covering the 1995 12 Monkeys and also the 2015, yeah, been a few seasons already, 2015 12 Monkeys TV show by the same name.
1: Yeah, it just concluded this year. Yeah. Oh, it it totally finished? Yeah. uh, The third season finale was the series finale, if I uh, Uh. interpret things correctly. So it is complete.
0: Okay, so I got some catching up to do. We all got to different points in the first season. Um some of us halfway, some of us finished the entire thing. Uh but yeah, we're gonna talk about that and the uh Bruce Willis. Um and Bruce Willis ah, I lost his name. Brad Pitt. No, not Brad, not the uh Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam, yes. Uh big fan of Terry Gilliam, even though I can't remember his name.
2: Well, the T V uh, show uh, I just want to I just watched random episodes from all four seasons, figuring that you know it's kind of like living Time traveling the show, right? Yeah, <laughs> that that's not true, but I should have.
0: Yeah, well, I made a spreadsheet
1: for it. So, <laughs> if you like spreadsheets, you can make one that uh, has all of the shows from the podcast collective on it.
3: <laughs> so that was all you. You
0: did that one yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I kind of did. <clears throat> yeah, screw <laughs> you guys! I'm jumping out of
0: this car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on your spreadsheet, you'll find such shows as. The Coffin' Joe cast. The Internet with Scott the Pool Boy, Mint in Box cast. The Dog and Deuce show. And, of course, the red Dad Radio Hour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Why didn't
1: you talk about the newest show that they have on? When... Because that's not a real show, and I've been ignoring it.
0: Do, do you think I didn't notice it?
3: <laughs> I didn't do it. I just saw it. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs>
0: that, that
2: wasn't me. I didn't touch it. I just got here. Okay. Well...
0: Oh,
3: none of us did that. Okay, interesting.
0: So, yeah, if you like interesting things, you can find our older stuff in the Peter Pan Show on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoes, Podverse FM, and NoonFM.com.
2: Don't yeah. point them to that episode. Do we have that one even uploaded right now?
0: Oh, yeah, it's there.
3: Oh.
1: Yeah, it's after the cutoff. Yeah, um, Morning, Morning Will Robinson. I was actually uh, talking to listener Karen on Saturday, and she mentioned that uh, she had not yet listened to the first 30 episodes. If you're in that same boat, they are all still on Talk shoe if I am. Um... Yes, sir. Yep. I thought so.
2: Everything is on Talk Shoe from day one to now. Excellent. Find them there. So, uh, but yeah, so
0: if you're looking for us on noon on Saturdays, we can find us at Geek Life Radio. They will tweet it out when they're uh, when our show's about to go live and uh if you want to talk to us, you can respond back at seven o eight now rap that's seven oh eight six six nine nine seven two seven and we actually have a voicemail mm-hmm. bum, bum, bum.
3: yay, holy shit guys, this line still works. what's up it's listener? it's been quite some time I think I started listening behind
1: uh well, a few months ago caught up to uh what was it? The cover show. Um, Jesus. That was good. I just listened to your latest episode uh, with the
3: whole uh, teenage prostitution with added, added steps. Um, I didn't see the new one. I remember seeing the old one. That was okay. It was an 80s fucking teen flick. But uh, when that one, the new one came out, Can't Buy Me Love, or whatever the fuck the new one's called, I don't remember. Um, in fact, I listened to it yesterday, so I don't really remember what was said about it. Anyway... Hey, what's up, it's listener. But to the motherfucking frog.
0: It's good to see that we're leaving an impression on him.
3: <laughs> I think you added a few words to them to the anagram or the a- acronym.
2: Um, speaking of that phrase, I just to mention listener Karen again, she commented on the photo that I reposted that Sarah took from Gen Con two years ago that I like to repost this time of year. And it's all of us walking away, so it's all of us from behind and she commented that that was the true butts to front.
1: Aww. Yeah. yeah, we said last week we were going to tell everybody what our 250th episode was going to be, and then we totally didn't do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, we did.
1: Not. <laughs> yeah, I'm I told Karen in person, but that's about
2: it.
3: I'm completely fine with that.
2: Yeah. I didn't even think about it. You Because I know.
3: talk about it at the end of this episode.
2: Yeah. No, yeah. we won't. <laughs> we'll fix it yeah, in maybe. post. Yeah, exactly. No, we won't. <laughs>
1: You realize if people don't know, it's going to go down in flames.
2: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Should we talk about it now and then again at the end of the show? Yes. That sounds good. Let's do that. Yeah. Just to be safe.
0: So for the 250th show, we are all going to be together in Indianapolis for Gen Con. And uh, we decided for the 250 that we are going to watch Back to the Future and then rick and morty and do that for the then and the now but it's gonna be live uh we're going to set up a webcam we're going to set up a mic and i'm getting (laughs) figuring out a way for you guys to respond while we're watching it and uh you know have you guys be able to comment and make uh snarky jabs at us as we are uh as well if we're just gonna be completely honest as we're recording and drinking just like we do now so uh are we doing that? Yes, there will be that. So you get to see us in all of our why he's we He's not
1: ignoring you, he's just moving on cuz we don't know <laughs>
3: <laughs> well we might want to let people know if we expect them to tune in.
0: When are we going to do it?
3: Yes. Because
0: what night pre- are we Oh, we're going to oh, do, we're it? Gonna do th- Thursday night, I thought.
3: Okay, well no, I I didn't know.
0: I was going to say that's news to me. Check the Facebook page or the Twitter. Yeah, we will there. announce it. It will it be will announced. It probably be Thursday night. More than likely be Thursday night, might be Friday.
3: Barring technical difficulties, it will be Thursday night.
0: Yeah, you may just get, like, a audio, no video of us cussing at the video cam and all that. So that'll be fun, too. Never just, know.
3: you know, beating up Jay for setting everything up
2: wrong. That'll be like <laughs> a behind-the-scenes thing for some people.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so, and if you are, by chance, a listener and you are out at Gen Con, find us. We will be there as uh, Instant Game Show, as we do. And hey,
1: uh, we may even invite you in for the show.
2: Yeah, what the
0: hell? If
2: you're listening, sure. Any listener at Gen Con, come on up. Well, no. and the other thing is, is if you want to find us while we're there, if you don't find us wandering the halls, check the Instant Game Show Facebook page and there's Twitter, right? Yep. Twitter and, um, Instagram and Instagram. Instagram, yep. And well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.
0: And if you go to Snapchat
3: the. Snapchat and Vine and MySpace and GeoCities.
0: No. GeoCities, Jesus. Yeah. Oh.
2: what yeah, about What about that. our
0: Angel Fire account? I forgot about those too. Good God! Um, but yeah, if you're looking for, if you want to be able to find us, out really easy. Head over to the Embassy Suites, and you, we're real easy to find because we have a giant forty going on fourteen banner hanging off our balcony. So that's true. Yes. So, uh, but yeah, come on out if you're at Gen Con, Find us, join us, watch the shows with us, record with us,
2: and you can fondle Price Guy Brian for free. True story. Have we confirmed this with Price Guy Brian?
3: Well, he makes me pay, but other people are probably free.
2: Probably. He'll he'll allow it. He's the biggest prize.
1: With any (laughs) luck, Brian won't listen to the show until we're already at Gen
0: Con. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Next
3: game is called Molest Brian.
0: And it's about that time. (laughs) This week in music, movies, and
2: TV. Spark! All right. Blessing Brian would be a physical challenge. (laughs)
0: Unless
3: we ask trivia about his body.
2: Where is
0: his tattoo? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So the theme this week, the date is January 5th, 1996. Release of the first 12 monkeys.
2: All right. So music, the number one song in the land was One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men.
0: As you do in 1996.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty good song.
3: Did you hear about the time that Michael Jackson called up Boyz to Men? Well, he was disappointed because he thought it was a, de- a delivery service.
2: <laughs> <sighs> womp womp. <laughs> pedophilia never gets old.
3: Did you just womp womp p- pedophilia? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, just you. <laughs> so, Hamish Imlach was a Scottish folk singer who was born in Calcutta to Scott- Scott- <laughs> Scottish... Scottish... <laughs> 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 Scottish parents. I really got to try and read this Like I have been the past couple weeks He claimed to have been conceived in Glasgow, Scotland He had limited commercial success But he influenced many other artists Including most notably John Martin Billy Connolly and Christy Moore His live performances were much cherished As loud and vivid He had his biggest hit in the late 1960s With cod liver oil <laughs> And the orange juice Is that a real thing?
0: I'm looking it up right thing. now <laughs>
1: Yeah, was- this totally <laughs> looks like an entry that Pat made up to fuck with Joel.
2: The, <laughs> the song was banned by the BBC as it was assumed to be full of double meanings and became the most requested song on British Forces Radio. Imloch was invited to join the Irish folk group, the Dubliners. Oh, I love to learn. On January 1st, his obesity and lifestyle finally caught up to him and he kissed his final Blarney Stone and he was absorbed. Oops,
0: he kind of looks like a Scottish Jack Black. So here we go. Cod liver and the orange juice. All
1: the way we break Glory, hallelujah. Cod liver oil and the orange juice.
3: Scottish people are weird.
0: Couple parley. Oh, a line licking cider. What a hell of a mixture. Cod liver oil and the orange juice.
3: In a dawn, he met
0: Harry Mary. All right. He met Harry Mary worm, and in this song. <laughs> he, oh
3: I mean, these people eat haggis, so you these know. These people
0: invented haggis. That's. I, I'd try haggis. I am not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying cod liver oil and orange juice. It is never something. I mean, is that like the precursor to gin and juice?
2: <laughs> it's all cooked in a wear ship's stomach.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Cod liver oil and the orange juice.
2: And that was popular, kids.
0: Yeah, he had this this one where he was singing in the video. There's like a whole crowd of people singing along with him. So strange.
2: Scottish on January 8th... Weird, he what?
0: I said Scottish people are weird.
2: On January 8th, Robert Hoskins was found guilty and convicted on five charges of assault, stalking, and threatening to kill Madonna. Yeah.
3: Slow news day.
2: Yep. And finally, albums released this week included Chris Cross's Young, Rich, and Dangerous and Kid Rock's Acronym of the Week. E M S P.
1: I'm pretty sure that's Elmo's mom sucks penis.
2: <laughs> Elmo needs some money
3: Holy
1: shit.
2: Twenty dollars is twenty dollars. <laughs> Don't make me smack a bitch.
0: Pat, you're your 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 Jesus Christ. Your Elmo is bordering on Charlie Day. <laughs> Who Pat? Patz. Your your Elmo sounds like Charlie Day trying to impersonate Elmo.
3: I'll take it. Yeah, That is, of course, early morning stoned pimp.
0: I like Josh's better.
3: <laughs> Me too.
0: Is it one of those, like, cassette and book series? <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, moving on to movies.
1: The number one movie in the land was 12 Monkeys. Hmm. On January 1st, Mary Gibbs was born. She is mo- known for her voice acting as the adorable Boo. In Disney's Monsters series, that's a uh, Monsters Inc. and Monsters University, if I recall.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Correct. <laughs> From what I understand and what I've read about the recording her is they tried to bring her into the studio and have her talk into a mic, and she would wouldn't say a damn thing. She just clammed up when she was in the studio, so they let her out, put a bunch of toys in the um, in the office, and just followed her around. Wait, yeah, so yeah. it was an actual child? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: It just two guys following her around with microphones and recording equipment, just recording her as she played.
0: Yeah. So, like, when she's singing and all that stuff, that's literally her. Um, let's see. She's her thing. Tw- she, yeah, she's twenty-one years old right now, and that she when was Monsters Inc? Monsters Inc. was two thousand and one, so she was like five, six years old. Wow.
1: Yeah. All right. Marianne Evans was the first famous female Bollywood stunt woman as her stage name, Fearless Nadia. Most remembered as the masked, cloaked adventurer in Hunter Wally, she was one of the earliest female leads in an Indian film. In the movie, she wields a hunter whip with skill. She learned horseback riding, hunting, fishing, and shooting during a stay in the Northwest Frontier Province, and later studied ballet under Madame Astrova. Nadia married Homi Wadia in 1961, and thus became Fearless Nadia Wadia. <laughs> Nadia died on January 9th, a day after her 88th birthday.
3: This all uh, does sound like I made it all up, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was kind of good with it until became Fearless Nadia Wadia. <laughs> 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 uh,
3: you can't write fiction like life.
1: <laughs> That's true. Movies released this week included Biodome, Eye for an Eye, Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace, and... Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood.
2: That's a great movie.
1: It, it really
0: is. is. I'm pretty rough on parodies,
1: but I enjoyed that one.
3: Yeah. Who is looking up Lawnmower Man too?
0: Me. I wanted <laughs> to see. It is at 11% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah,
3: it was not good.
0: 2.4 out of 10. It was as
3: bad as Lawnmower Man was good.
1: Yeah, safety tip. If you ever want to know who's putting the cursor right over what the person's reading at the time, <laughs> it's always Mike.
3: <laughs> that's a good point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I've done it, but rarely. I'm always research. I want to know about what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, so TV.
3: You do have the built-in excuse of you're the only one that could actually play audio. But so, Lawnmower, the title of Lawnmower Man 2 Beyond Cyberspace had no audio. Though.
0: You never know. It could be this. <laughs> you know, that's what they thought the internet sounded like in 96.
3: Well, it kind of was what it sounded like back then.
0: <laughs> so... Yeah. Top shows in the land are ER, Friends, and Caroline in the City. Oops. <laughs> friends, friends.
3: Friends and friends. Uh, very, That's how popular it was. It got two spots.
0: Yes. Very 1996. Um, on January 9th, Third Rock from the Sun premiered on NBC. I love that show. It's a good show. It really is. And brought us Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh. True. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the winners from our uh, our kids show, too on January 1st, Speed Vision, a cable channel devoted to motorsports began programming. The network would be rechristened to Speed Channel in 2002, then Speed in 2005, and then s in 2006. <laughs> 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 that's the only that's the logical progression on that I <laughs> Uh, It would be replaced by Fox Sports 1 in 2013 and 2018 by The Ocho. (laughs) What the hell, Speed?
3: ESPN 8. The The Ocho. Ocho. And for sports, on New Year's Day, at the 62nd Orange Bowl, number six ranked Florida State beat number eight Notre Dame 31-26 for the national championship. And at the 82nd Rose Bowl, the number 17 ranked Southern California beat the number three Northwestern from Chicago, 41-32. to 32. Hmm. And lastly, for the first time in 25 years, on January 8th, no one who was eligible to be elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame cleared enough votes and no one went into the hall that year.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's sad for the people that were in contention.
3: And part of it is, you know, he Rose was still... <laughs> there we go.
2: Do you hear that? I- we must be in Lawnmower Man. <laughs> I thought you were checking our Angel Fire to, to see if there were any updates.
0: I, I'm not lying. I I have gone through a, resumes and when when I'm hiring people and I literally have found people that have in, that had th- at least three people that had Angel Fire email addresses.
3: Up until probably uh I would say maybe eight to ten years ago, I had a I still had a prodigy email account that was active.
0: That's not too bad, but Angel Fire is like that's really? a
2: fire starter.
0: Yeah, that, uh, take us out, keyboard Joel.
2: No, I'm no, your no, fire no, starter! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so then, 12 monkeys, uh, in a future world devastated by disease, a convict is sent back in time to gather information about the man-made virus that wiped out most of the human population on the planet. That's, that's a pretty good voice. Like that? I'm in yeah. practice. And I, you know how I get that voice? I drink uh, whiskey. Straight. And I turn into a movie announcer voice. There you go.
3: In a world.
0: So this is directed by Terry Gilliam. Never heard of him. Wait, what? (laughs) He's he's known for uh, being one of the writers and the animator for Monty Python. Uh, Writer for everything from the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus to Time Bandits to Brazil, which is my favorite one.
3: Time Bandits is mine. Time Bandits. Yeah, I love yeah.
0: Time, Band. Time Bandits. I love it, too. And He also wrote the screenplay for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, he's got The Meaning of Life, Time Bandits, Life of Brian, Jabberwocky. That's a very you know lesser-known one, too. Um, and Now, he is currently working on a movie called The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, starring oh. ready for this? Adam Driver, Jonathan Price as Don Quixote, Stellan Skarsgård as the boss, and just there's a it's a great cast past that olga Kurienko as jockey so
2: he tried to to make that already once with um johnny depp and there's a whole documentary about it because it was failed to from the start
3: that was That's, the one that had the giant storm and everything right it wiped it out
1: yes i believe this is the dramatization of the uh failure to make
0: man of la mancha so it's like um
2: it's oh my god it's just like uh, tropic thunder <laughs> but I mean, there, no meta. It was a, it was a, it, I don't remember how long they were filming for, but it was like five years or something. It was some crazy amount of time they were trying to get it finished, and it just wouldn't happen. Um,
3: it became a worse situation than even the Apocalypse Now set.
2: Yeah, it it never, it was never made, but there's there's footage from it, and the documentary is fascinating. Um, so I, I definitely recommend it. And he he directed Fear and Loathing, which I think is. Probably my favorite of his. Oh no no no, Fisher King. Sorry.
0: Oh yeah, Fisher King was. Oh, uh, that I'm, was a great I'm one too. Done goofed. So uh, this is written by Chris. It's based. Okay, not written by Chris Marker. Did a film. He's a French filmmaker. Made did a film called La Jetée, uh, which is got. It's a short film. Has a whole kind of premise of uh, uh, Twelve Monkeys. I think Joel's the only one that actually was able to watch it.
2: Yeah, I saw it in film school. It's 27 minutes and it's all slides. Oh. It's all f- still photographs with uh, narration, and it basically tells the story of a guy that's time traveling and that's uh, the whole scene on the uh, basically on the, the runway, you know, the last airport sequence basically, but interspliced with the rest of the story kind of playing out it's it's really fascinating. That's pretty cool.
0: I will have to check that out so the the screenplay is written by David and Janet peoples. Um, who is? David Peoples, you're wondering why we like this movie. Uh, it was a writer for Blade Runner, for Unforgiven, and for Soldier. Nothing? I like uh, Unforgiven. Like yeah, good. I was going to say, two out of three ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I like Soldier. Soldier. Soldier was yeah. fun. He also it's did true. Lady Hawk.
3: All right, two out of four ain't
1: bad.
0: Yeah. Leviathan? Eh?
2: Oh, uh,
1: that's
3: a fun The odds are getting bad.
2: Leviathan's fun.
1: Oh. I, I like Lady Hawk, even though it is a little boring oh. going back and
0: watching it now.
2: And the Viathan has a giant duck monster.
0: Oh, that? <laughs> and uh, Janet Peoples, uh, writer for Twelve Monkeys, obviously, also a writer for Twelve Monkeys for the sci-fi, and um, Ready Pat, writer for The Prisoner. Oh. yes, and she has oh, just announced. That show. Yeah, I know, right? Um, announced that she is writing for a movie entitled Mandrake the Magician.
2: Oh,
0: yeah, uh-huh. DC comic okay. fans. Uh, so yeah, some. The Rock. <laughs> he is in everything. Look in my hat. Um, taglines The future is history and they're coming. Uh, and the one of the taglines that was not used was The future will be saved by a man who has none. Something like that. They decided that was too uh, clunky. Clunky. Yeah. People were like, What? Um, so, cast Bruce Willis, if you've heard of him, as James Cole. Joseph Melito as young James Cole. Madeline Stowe as Kathleen Rayleigh. Brad Pitt as Jeffrey Goines, Christopher Plummer as Dr. Goines, David Moores as Dr. Peters, John Seda as Jose, Christopher Maloney, Lieutenant Halpern. Very young
2: Christopher Maloney.
0: Frank Gorshin as Dr. Fletcher. Oh, I didn't even recognize
3: him. Yeah. Oh, he was great.
0: The Riddler. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Vern Campbell as Tiny, Lisa Gay Hamilton as Teddy, Bob Adrian as Geologist, and Simon Jones as Zoologist. Carol Florence as astrophysicist. Bill Raymond as microbiologist. And this is exactly how they're listed in the, in their, in the uh, credits also. Well, they weren't
3: really given names or anything.
0: Well, no, yeah, I even put on the uh, subtitles, and that's exactly what it says when they're not on screen. You know, zoologist speaks, you know, that sort of thing. Anne Golden as women cabbie. Now, I recognized her, but I can't figure out where I know her from. I mean, outside of this, the only thing I see is Pebble and the Penguin, and I don't, I'm pretty sure I've never seen that. And then Thomas Roy as a street preacher. Have you seen Orange is the New Black? No. I was going to say, because that's
1: where I recognized her from.
0: Oh, maybe I've seen her on the trailers then. Could be. Could be. So, Thomas Roy, I wanted to I wanted to toss this out here. Thomas Roy doesn't have a huge resume as it comes to film. He was in 12 Monkeys. Um, he was in a movie, television movie called Home and in a movie called The Answer Man. Um... <clears throat> But Roy and his wife have created about 80 special days which are listed in Chase's Calendar of Events. And Chase's Calendar of Events is apparently an American publication started in 57 by William and Brothers William D. Chase and Harrison Chase. That includes special events, holidays, federal and state observances, historic anniversaries, and unusual celebratory traditions. They've put in Eighty of them. So June second is Yell Fudge at the Cobras in North America Day. No, I n- this is I'm not joking. I no. mean, how can you limit yourself to just one day? Exactly right. March third is What if Cats and Dogs had Opposable Thumbs Day? <laughs> this is uh, December thirteenth is Pick a Pathologist Pal Day. I don't understand any of these, but now this is August eighth coming up is sneak some zucchini onto your neighbor's porch day.
2: It's kind of like uh, giving the ELS student a pine cone day.
0: <sighs> These are ridiculous. I love it. I mean, it's like August 22nd, Southern Hemisphere Hooty Hoo Day. I, I, they're, and they're published. This is in this book. I didn't realize this is something that we could do. We've
3: been doing that all our life.
0: I know. I mean, tomorrow is take your house plants for a walk day. It is. <laughs> we just missed up, missed uh, July 23rd for hot enough for you day.
3: Well, luckily, at Gen Con, we have Drink Your Weight and yoo Day.
0: Let's <laughs> go get some YooHoo. July 10th, Don't Step on a Bee Day.
2: I think that should be every day.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, bees probably want that every day. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, you know, so he had a part in this movie and then did that for the rest of his life, apparently.
3: Don't Step on a Bee in Apartment 23.
2: Wow. Really? The is rolling over in her grave right now.
0: That's the one you go with. You like that? No, not at all. (laughs) So trivia. Bruce Willis uh, took a lower salary than his star status would normally entitle, partly because of the budget restrictions, but mostly because he wanted to work with Terry Gilliam. Uh, Actually, Bruce did the movie for free. It was only after the movie was released that he was paid, which is kind of weird.
1: That's pretty awesome, though.
2: It is. Good on him. And I know I watched the documentary on it, and Terry Gilliam was like, I wanted to kind of... Show people something different, because, you know, Bruce Willis was—they were making movies for Bruce Willis that were Bruce Willis movies, so, you know, it gave him a chance to stretch his legs and do something different.
0: Yeah, I'll get to that in, the, in a couple trivia here. So, Terry Gilliam was afraid that Brad Pitt wouldn't be able to pull off the nervous, rapid speech that he wanted for uh, the part. He sent him to a speech coach, but in the end, he just took away his cigarettes. <laughs> and once the nicotine withdrawal kicked in, Pitt played the part exactly as Terry Gilliam wanted. So— there's that. Uh Terry Gilliam gave Bruce Willis a list of Willis acting clichés not to be used during the film, including the steely blue eyes look. I was trying to think of any other Bruce Willis clichés.
3: You a motherfucker?
2: Yeah, one-liners.
0: Yeah, there were yeah, there were no one well, there was no one-liners in here. And that's a big one. Yeah.
2: Um singing? No, he doesn't do that anymore.
1: I mean, his whole demeanor was a pretty far cry from his usual grizzled, like, even when he was 20 years ago, he was doing the, like, I'm starting to feel my age, but I'm a badass kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So, uh... Director Terry Gilliam first met Bruce Willis while casting his film, The Fisher King in 91. He was impressed by the sensitivity shown by Willis in the scene from Die Hard where, uh, McLean is talking about his wife while pulling glass from his feet. Talking to Willis, Gilliam discovered that his part was ad libbed entirely. Terry Gilliam remembered this and was convinced to cast him in this film. So there you go. Hmm. Good on him. uh, the Army of the Twelve Monkeys is inspired by a passage from L. Frank Baum's novel, The Magic of Oz, which we all know once you get past The Wizard of Oz, it's all nightmares in hell, uh, in which the Gnome and roller King... Boys. And rollerball No, no, no. The wheelers. Wheelers. The Wheelers. Oh, that's nah, right. How could wheelers? you forget the Wheelers? Oh, my God. I tried to. So uh, the Gnome King and Kiki Aru convince Twelve Monkeys that they will have an endless supply of food if they become human soldiers for them. Which, if they made that into a movie, probably would have some horrendous transformation scene that would give all the children nightmares. Uh, It was Terry Gilliam's intention to make the film's plot ambiguous. And there are many theories that suggest that Cole is mad and none of the events in the future ever actually happen.
2: I have never heard that. I mean, I can imagine where it would come from, but yeah, I never really thought that either. You'd
1: have to go through some pretty serious gymnastics to arrive at that, though. Yeah,
0: you would. I mean, because you'd have I think to... I think
3: the film would be better served if it had been more ambiguous. But, I mean, yeah, I don't think it was...
0: For the ending?
1: It,
3: yeah, just in general. Like, if they had left it to where you never know if he really was in the future or if he was crazy.
1: Uh, yeah, I would say it's less ambiguous than Total Recall. Mm. For sure.
0: So, artist Levius Woods claimed that the interrogation chair in the movie closely resembled his 1987 illustration, Neomechanical Tower upper chamber and managed to get a court to stop the movie 28 days after its release. He eventually settled with uh, Universal for a six-figure sum. Now, in this, I...
3: Looking at the picture that you posted in the the show notes, it's kind of hard to argue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's got a case. Yeah, he really does. I'm going to post the picture to our Facebook page when I post the show next week. So when this goes up, this will be... You know, I might might even just make it the, um, the banner... Just so you can see what it looks like. But yeah, he definitely like has a case for it. So yeah, so that's what I've got for the trivia. Um, weird question, but I highly doubt that this is true for any of us. Was this any of us a first viewing?
2: Nope. Was this...
0: Absolutely not. Patrick?
3: No,
1: not at all.
0: Was this I any of More than five.
1: It together.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true. We saw it in the theater, didn't we? Yep. So. Yeah,
1: we probably all saw this at the same time, the first time. We've yeah. seen this
3: multiple times with each
1: other.
2: Yeah. I owned it on VHS, then DVD, and now Blu-ray. And I have the soundtrack. That's the thing. The soundtrack in this really
0: was not um, amazing. I, I didn't... I mean, it had his traditional Terry Gilliam awkward music for whatever's going on during the current scene thing. Had some pretty reasonable oldies. True. Yeah.
2: What a Wonderful World, and Blueberry um, Hill. And you've got Tom Waits singing Earth Died Screaming, and then there's uh, the Astro Piozzola Bandoneone soundtrack that's layered throughout it.
0: Uh, and um, my one of my favorite surf rock songs, uh, Walk Don't Run, was also in there all. So, But yeah, that's uh, I mean, the, but I'm saying like the actual soundtrack, I mean not soundtrack, the orchestrated music of it really didn't stand out to me at all. Which may have been the uh, whole point of it too. Never know.
1: Well, yeah, and that's where you come down to the difference between the soundtrack versus the score.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, that's what I mean. Is I'm I'm talking about the score. That's, yeah. You know, there were times where there was this dramatic music playing for the scene. Uh, sometimes there was a dramatic scene and no music. Sometimes there was a dramatic scene and it was like accordion music, like. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. I mean, really, which I mean, you can probably throw that in the same bucket as Terry Gilliam, you know, because it's yeah, one he, of those he things
3: likes doing the disjointed music.
0: Yeah, I mean, this definitely if I had not if you had shown me this and told me to guess who the director would was, I would have guessed um, Terry Gilliam just because it had all of the Gilliamisms. would be the best <laughs> way to put it. I mean, like the angled shots those really bizarre close-ups are dr- are drawing you into somebody's face or a, a specific thing, and the props. That's one thing about his his um, his movies is the, the props and that sort of thing are always like way wacky. Like you were talking about Time Bandits. Time Bandits is another one of those where when they get down to it, the stuff that's going around is just completely ridiculous. His
3: movies have a very distinctive look.
2: hmm Yeah, not quite as far gone as a Tim Burton but they definitely have their own feel for sure.
0: Yeah, I think the closest to Tim Burton Terry Gilliam gets has got to be Brazil.
1: He's
3: like a dystopian Tim Burton.
0: Wow.
1: I can uh-huh. see that cuz there is always uh this under decay uh, undercurrent of rotten decay in a lot of his films.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh in um Brazil there was that whole like I don't say post apocalyptic, but kind of like 1984 type feel to everything.
2: So, and one of the things about this is, and that he even went on record talking about is that he wanted everything that was down underground to be found items that could realistically have survived the, the apocalypse, so to speak. And so even the time machine, I mean, is just a series of objects that they put together that they had the technology to send people back in time with this, but it's really (laughs) jerry-rigged. We're going to shove you in this giant accordion
0: and then cram you through the wall, and then you'll be in 1996. Maybe.
2: And then you'll come back, and you'll be really sick, and we'll throw you in a room.
0: True. I did have to say that the whole, um, the voicemail, communicating with the future through the voicemail um, was really clever.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I I would put this really near the top of uh, the list of time travel movies, that handle time travel from a plausible perspective.
0: Yes, I agree with you on that because you have everything dealing with like things changing as like in the, in the end of the movie, which we're calling spoilers, of course. <laughs> um, when he makes the final phone call to the voicemail and says, "Look, you're looking for the wrong people. You want to go with this guy. You leave the twelve monkey, the army of the twelve monkeys, alone." And like five minutes later, Jose shows up.
1: Yeah, and I mean, in general, things happened because they happened like if you know about it you can't change it Mm -hmm. and the movie and uh we'll talk about this later on the show deals with those themes of if you know too much in your time travel time traveler you feel like you're trapped by fate
0: Mm -hmm. well bruce willis actually he says that at one point i just want the future to be unknown yeah
1: yeah because uh no matter what he does he causes what he's there to try
0: to help Mm mm-hmm so Brad Pitt. First off, he gets third billing. So this is early in his career. Yes, very early on. And
2: good crazy person or just hamming it up and chewing the scenery? I I as I said before we even did the show that I this is one of my favorite performances of his. Now, of course, you guys brought up another one which I think is better, but it's 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 a close second.
1: And, you know, as over the top uh, as he is in some cases, having worked in mental health for many years, I can say that he does one of the better performances of someone with a mental
2: illness that I've actually seen on screen. It it,
3: it seems over the top, unless you have dealt, you know, exactly.
2: Well, and he went to a, uh, uh, they had a doctor that was a, like a, what do you call it, a a consultant that, had him visit with actual mental patients and he went over specific diagnoses that, uh, Jeffrey was supposed to have and the doctor coached him on how those people would act in different situations. Hmm. And so he had actual, it wasn't just, he was pulling out of his ass. He was, he studied it to learn what was the real way to kind of play it up. Plus the whole thing with his eye being kind of wonky throughout the whole movie. Yeah. You know, just added
3: there's, a, there's a little bit of scenery chewing, but, I mean, it's it's mostly forgivable. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. and this was perspective I didn't have when I first saw the movie in that even the day room scene. Granted, the entire room is populated with the three most extreme people you'll find on any unit anywhere in the country. Instead of, like, those three and a bunch of mostly quiet people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the environment, the specific words that the staff uses, uh, the reactions of the clients, it's all really true to life if you've worked in mental health.
2: Which, incidentally, if anybody's wondering, the film that we felt was his best portrayal was Fight Club. Just because somebody's probably like, well, what is the best? <laughs> We're going to leave that to the end, Joel. Leave him hanging. Yeah,
1: oh. When he runs away and they refer to it as elopement, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's exactly what we'd call it. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, first off, I know he didn't really do it, but Bruce Willis eating that big spider freaked me out. <laughs> that was a big spider. Just means you got to bite down
3: quick.
2: Oh, oh, all the gooey stuff comes popping out. Ah, 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 I, I, tried, to to eat a, <laughs> I tried to eat a spider because I didn't have any way to bring it back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And I like yeah, how the again. the zoologist is like, I like that idea. Try to do that again this time. <laughs> got all excited, yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah,
1: if you didn't like that, Mike, don't watch Vampire's Kiss. In oh. fact, don't watch Vampire's Kiss anyway. Yeah, it's the terrible
3: movie. had been pregnant.
2: Just on general principle, don't watch yeah.
1: it. <laughs> but Nicolas Cage actually eats a German cockroach.
0: Yep. Oh, I have seen that.
2: That's it what was that. real. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it's what? I don't need to know
1: that. I thought his teeth getting screwed up was for Birdie. Oh, uh, that's right, it was Birdie. You're right. I, I don't. Why do I know all this about Nicholas Cage?
2: Because you and I were on a Nicholas Cage kick for a while. Oh,
1: that's right. It's your fault. It is my <laughs> fault. Yeah, I take blame. <laughs> that's safe. I always blame Joel.
2: Uh, it's because I take it. And I'm like, all right, sure, that's fine. Yeah, but you do. Wait. I do take it, right? Wait, um, wait. and I have to say that Frank Gorshin was amazing. I mean, I'm, most people think of him, you know, as the Riddler on on the old Batman series, but he was really, really good in this role, and I'd forgotten he was even in it until I started watching it again. I was like, man, he's just spot on.
1: Uh, even down to some of the minor characters, it's like, uh, was it Christopher Maloney? I think boy, years before he
0: showed up on uh, Law and Order as a cop. Oh yeah, as um, yeah, Doc, uh, Lieutenant Helpern. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's so young.
0: Yeah, he is. Are you
3: aware that there's a strange subculture of the internet that, like, is after, like, shirtless Christopher Maloney pictures?
1: Why? I didn't know that was a thing,
0: but I'm not shocked.
3: Yeah. Do a search for Christopher Maloney images. Don't even type, like, shirtless, and just you'll be amazed how many shirtless pictures there are.
0: Huh. I'm not
1: doing that right
3: now. T-I-L. That's tab number 72.
0: (laughs) So how did you feel about the whole, um, of his brain-breaking you know him not really knowing if he wasn't where he was anymore when he came back for was it like the third or fourth time when he just he just just like yeah I'm nuts I'm crazy. See I
1: love that because at that point, uh, the audience knows more than the character does. Yeah, in a like I mean that's textbook dramatic irony. Mm-hmm. Where we know that he actually knows the future, but he has no perspective to know that the things he said have already been proven true while he was gone. Mm. so he's thinking well maybe the psychiatrist is right wouldn't that be great i'm just crazy and the world's not gonna end and i don't have to go back to the shithole well it's safe it's a safe yeah.
2: belief system to have at that point mm-hmm.
1: and it's very his,
3: liberating to admit you're crazy
1: well and the true believer and the person who's in denial rolls switch between
0: him and madeline stowe right at the same moment mm. she becomes like um obsessive about it you know, it's like, I mean, it's not a subtle flip of it either. I mean, it's like the coin completely reverses where she's like, no, you have to do this. You know, she becomes that super intense one that Bruce Willis used to be before he came back for the last time.
1: Sure. And I think there's a lot going on. There's the guilt in having felt complicit to his crimes, the guilt in never believing him, the... Uh, a relief at being able to finally like a give in to her attraction for him, even though it is crazy and inappropriate as a therapist because he's not, cra- he's not crazy. So she'd know should have never been his doctor in the first place. So like, there's a lot going on that kind of bends her brain and sends her a little off the rails.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many times, even the very beginning of the movie where she could have escaped, but just doesn't.
2: Mm-hmm. She gets that Stockholm syndrome but not really because she finds out or she realizes that he actually is what he says he is.
1: Right, and I think that her fascination with the whole Cassandra uh, kind of prophet, Cassandra syndrome, probably predated her talking about it. So it was a combination of, I think I can help this guy and holy shit, this guy is a disorder which I am personally interested
2: in. Mm -hmm. And there's that wonderful holy shit moment with the photograph from World War II. That... (laughs) The the look on Bruce's face in the photo is funny, but the <laughs> that's whole...
3: the only the only scene in my opinion that was kind of like I was like it eh, has a little too much that that he actually got caught on you know okay. he was only there for yeah for a scant amount of moments but still it it's necessary for the story.
0: True. And then the uh, when the everything comes back about the bullet in his leg. Oh yeah, when they <laughs> it was shot sometime before nineteen twenty. He said, ripping his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> as you will, yeah. as things happen, um, the uh, the animals being released. Do you think that was too corny? You know, I think it's badass
1: because it's the big revelation that the army of the twelve monkeys is not this crazy secret of occult organization that ends the world. It's a bunch of nut jobs declaring victory because now the animals are running free.
0: And getting hit on the expressway, They're right? right poor emu they didn't hate that yeah so that's i mean it's i i just think uh, with that it was a little bit of a breaking from the theme of the movie when having the of uh, the elephants and everything running around
1: well spoilers a little bit for the second half of the show if that was your biggest problem with the movie that is addressed and changed for the series
2: which i'm curious to see what i missed because i uh,
1: yeah, if you stopped at episode three or four, you stopped before the series started, as far as I'm concerned. But we'll get to that in the second half.
0: True, true. So you, we have anything else to uh, talk about in the last, for the uh, 12 Monkeys? I mean, the time loops are just done so
1: nicely, and the future is weird, but the present is also really freaking weird from a certain perspective. So, I don't know. I, this movie has always made me happy just because I, although I enjoy time travel fiction in general, there are some pretty huge logic gaps mm. in most of it. And this one, it all kind of ties itself up at the end. Yeah, and I always yeah. like seeing that. It does. Yeah, I mean,
3: I, I really enjoy this movie. I thought it's well done. You know, the cinematography is good, the writing's good, the acting is solid. I mean, it's always been one of my more, more favorite movies. It's, it's not like in like any of my top ten lists or anything, but it's always a movie I've enjoyed.
2: Well, and they play with time travel, but they don't play with it loose and free like a lot of movies do and a lot of TV shows. This is coming from a guy who, you know, loves Doctor Who like insanely, but it's very fast and loose. And there's a lot of kind of this this feels very realistic. I mean, if if you can say that about time travel, if it was going to happen and the right people were at the helm, this would be the way it would work. For some reason, it just feels very legitimate, I guess, is a good word.
1: And I always appreciate the darker Terry Gilliam stuff because they remind me a lot of, like, a Junot film. Uh, I, I was going to say, Joel knows what I'm talking about. I don't know if you guys know, like, City of the Lost Children, Delicatesson. De oh, I know City of the Lost Children. I was going to say, like Terry Gilliam's dark stuff
2: reminds me of Junot's stuff. That, I could see that. Junot and Caro together, yeah, they did some—I mean, City of the Lost Children is is a perfect example of a pitch-perfect film.
1: Yeah, and just as dark and bizarre. It's why I like to compare the
2: two directors. I think it's a good comparison. Excellent. Solid. So uh,
0: we're going to take a little bit of a break, go back in time, and (laughs) re-drink our beers. (laughs) Uh, But we can never prevent the beer from being drunk, and we
1: can never prevent Elmo's mom from sucking penis. And on that note, break.
2: (laughs) That explains so much about Kevin Clash.
0: welcome back so we are going to talk about 12 monkeys the tv show it is um was a sci-fi show yep sci-fi follows the journey of a time traveler from the post wait i didn't do the voice hang on whiskey all right Follows the journey wait what
3: no, it sounded like you were ordering it. I'm like, I can't serve you.
0: <laughs> Follows the journey of a time traveler from the post-apocalyptic future who appears in present day on a mission to locate and eradicate the source of a deadly plague that will nearly destroy the human race. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Starring The Rock. <laughs> Dave Bautista. Who else would be in that? does it matter.
3: Natural man Randy Savage.
0: <laughs> He's dead. Yes, Terry Crews. Oh, all right, so this is created by Travis Fickett and Terry Metallis. So Terry Metallis has done Terra Nova,
2: which wasn't that bad. Terra Nova was all right. I I thought it looked interesting. I never watched it, though.
0: Yeah, he's also but done a years. a bunch of episodes of Voyager, episodes of Enterprise, and uh, something called Nikita. La Femme Nikita? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was the TV adaptation of La Femme Nikita. Okay. Yeah. Cool, uh, Travis Fickett, all those things, and then something called the Amateurs. Oh, I remember that movie? Do Do you remember? Wait, no, no, no. What am I? Not the Amateurs. What am I thinking of? It's the that, professionals. It's that. What's that, Joel? The professionals? Not the professionals. No, the uh, <laughs> the joke. Where it's like the uh, the aristocrats. The aristocrats. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. This is not it. This is about. Citizens of a small town under under the influence of a man of a midlife in a midlife crisis come together and make an adult film. So yeah, there's that. That is a thing. That happened. I'm not gonna watch. All right, so some taglines for this: Unmake history. Season one. Seven billion lives at stake. One man to save them. Change the past. Save the future. Witness the future. End at the beginning. I like that one sacrifice the past to save the future or Thank sacrifice the past, James to James save Brown. the future. Nice. I like that. So this stars a one Aaron Stanford as James Cole. You know, I
1: didn't know what to think about him at the beginning, but uh, he really grew on me fast.
0: That, I think that's exactly the way they wrote him.
2: The thing with Aaron Stanford is I never think of him as a leading guy. I, he, he was good in the X-Men movies. And he was good in the Hills of remake, but I never, like, I don't know. He doesn't do anything for me. So I haven't quite sold on I'm not quite sold on him yet, but I didn't get as far. So
1: I don't know. Normally, I would think of him as, like, a poor man's Josh Holloway. Huh. I, I, if you guys don't know who he is, he was uh, Sawyer in Lost, and he was in that. Uh, That's who he looks like. I, yeah,
0: he didn't... looks like a lesser version of him. He's like Sawyer's little brother. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Amanda Schul as Cassandra Rayleigh. I like the fact wow. that they made her name Cassandra in reference to the Cassandra uh, thing from the movie, which is pretty cool. Oh, oh, something I forgot to mention for the movie. What? Um Irony. Uh, Bruce Willis, uh, at the in near the end of the movie, he says, All I see are dead people and then he goes a couple couple years later and he makes uh six cents. Ninety
2: nine. Yeah. So Nice. Cool. Um when you said and her name was Cassandra. All I thought of was Wingsworld.
0: Same here.
2: <laughs> and her name was Cassandra.
1: Yeah, so they took Dr. Rayleigh in a different direction for this. But
0: they kind of had to. Yeah. Oops, sorry, I'm back. Yeah, they kind of had to because it's not like this is a, this isn't a one and done. If they, if they right. want to make a TV show the, out of this, they have to change some stuff.
1: And they sort of discarded the mental health angle in order to
0: get more out of the sci-fi angle. Right. And then uh Barbara Sokova? Sukova. Sokova. Barbara Sokova. you're Polish, you should know that. I know. It's i um, Polish, but I'm drinking whiskey, so it takes it away. So she's Dr. Jones, Katarina Jones. Um, talk about a throwaway
1: expansion of a character. Like Jones is only mentioned in near the almost final scene of the film. Mm-hmm. Like, where the lady on the plane
0: with the guy who spreads the virus becomes one of the doctors? Yeah. Well, that's I mean, the very you know, I am in insurance.
2: Right? Because yeah. she's sent back to stop it. True. She's, after they know what happens to Cole, she's sent back to clean up his mess, basically.
1: Oh! That's, I had not, in, uh, like, ever heard that interpretation, but I like it.
2: That's why she says that. Because she's the insurance policy to make sure that things the way they're supposed to go look at you making connections oh. <laughs> so, i love this movie i've seen it <laughs>
0: times. i was gonna say i think you've seen it a dozen more times than i have so old barbara here is known for such things as well besides 12 monkeys uh she was in atomic blonde uh she was in uh the in nacht on the morgen die veronica decides to die and then something called the invention of curried sausage she doesn't talk about that one too much. But we did. Mm-hmm. I go for some curry first. So, uh, Emily Hampshire as Jennifer Goines. Yeah, a little gender switch. Which I think works. You know, she fucking kills it. She really does. Excuse me. I'm back. Um, yeah, she really does, uh, excuse- apologize. I'm back. Two sneezes.
3: Mike having a stroke?
0: Mike is having a stroke. <laughs> All right, so she is known for 12 Monkeys, um, Shit Creek, which I tried to watch and couldn't get into, and something called Snow Cake. Which Hmm. goes great with curried sausage. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, oh, she did a voice in Command & Conquer, Tiberian Twilight. (laughs) And she did the voice of Misery from Ruby Gloom. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah,
1: the longer uh, her character progresses in the... uh series, the more I'm convinced she's not just a one-note actress. No.
0: Yeah. Not at all. Uh, Todd Stashwick as Deacon. Uh, he was in The Rundown. He also plays The Mask in Gotham. The Rundown was a fun movie. Yeah, it was. That was good. Early rock. And currently filming, I think Joel and I are the only two that are going to get this one, but he is actually Dr. Draken in the Kim Possible movie, currently filming. Huh. So, but yeah, so uh, Andrew Giles, no, I'm sorry, Andrew Gillies, uh, he plays Dr. Julian Adler. Uh, He is known for this and Orphan Black.
2: Which my sister keeps telling me I need to watch, but I have not yet.
0: Oh, you need to. Oh, and he was in uh, Trailer Park Boys. What? Officer Daniels, only three episodes, but the ever-classic Money Can Suck My Cock episode.
2: Huh. Yeah. Oh, now I... Okay. So... I know who that is.
0: So, Kirk Avocado as Jose <laughs> Ramsey. Uh, don't do that. No, no Avocado, no. He, this guy's fantastic.
2: Kirk is awesome, he, dude. Uh, dude, I love this guy.
0: He Brit. reminds me of, like, a, a, a,
1: uh, not a Jose Ferrer. That's the painter.
2: Uh. <laughs> not Miguel Ferrer. Yeah,
1: No, he reminds me of, like, Miguel Ferrer's little brother. Mm-hmm. He, he takes the same sort of roles where he's a little bit grizzled. Yeah um well, yeah i always love him he's always got just a little bit of i don't want to say like traitor but like a little dark side to all of his characters
2: well the f- first thing i remember him was oz and then i got excited when he was in fringe fringe is right my, he plays charlie he that that is i mean when we were
0: watching it it was like he showed up and like
2: charlie i'm in um, he was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a few episodes, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, he was uh, one of the, the main foils in that. And he was on Walking Dead, even. So True. He's all Dude.
0: over the place, and he's always good. Yeah, he's always, always good. I good. I personally, I think his best, his best, obviously, is Charlie from Fringe, but I'm a huge Fringe fan. He is so good in this. Uh, it might be his best
1: role. I would. Ha- I'm gonna have to watch more episodes to. You really do because I know which episode you stopped on, and it's not the best
0: uh, of his. Okay. So, Allison Down, as Olivia, for 31 episodes. Uh, she's been in uh, Case 39 and The Day the Earth Stood Still as Laptop Woman. Huh? Yeah, and depending
1: on how far each of you got, you may not have encountered her at all yet. Yeah,
3: I was going to say I don't think I recognize
0: that character. Yeah, I got to episode eight, which means I think you've seen her once. Yeah, uh, Damore Barnes, uh, he plays Whitley. Wait a uh, minute,
3: was she the Red Forest woman?
0: Yes, yes, that's oh. exactly who she was. Yep. Uh, you may, we've actually seen him multiple times, Demore Barnes, uh, as the the muscle for the uh, where they're at in the fu- in the uh, future, but he plays Mister Ibis in American Gods. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tobias Budge in Hannibal, and he's Henry Hewitt in The Flash. So he's all over the place. He's also um, Hemlock Grove. Yeah, yep. I mean the the thing is they've gotten a lot of really good television actors for this show. You know they haven't they haven't just like pulled you know C listers. They've for television side of things they've per they've pulled some really good actors for this show, and I'm really impressed with what they've done with them. So and finally Murray Furrow as Doctor Lasky. Uh, who is known for 12 Monkeys, The Lizzie Borden Chronicles, starring Christina Ricci. If you have not watched them, watch them. It's pretty fun. And, ready, Josh? Mm-hmm. He is playing Sid in the uh, TV series for the Umbrella Academy. Oh, Yeah. That I knew, I knew out of all of us, you would be the one. That, For uh, sure. Yeah, that would totally I remember get
2: asking about it when I saw the promo poster because it looked interesting. But
0: uh, You should really, if you can get a hold of any of the Umbrella Academy uh, graphic novels, definitely do it, Joel. It's right up your alley. I think you would really like them.
2: I like you saying that.
0: like that? What My else alley. You, what else do you want me to say? <laughs> In a world.
3: This is like when, when Joel has a, a, a head cold.
0: In a world <laughs> where people go up Joel's alley. So, trivia. The psychiatric, psychiatric center in which Jennifer is placed is called J.D. Peoples Psychiatric Treatment Center, named after the writers of Twelve Monkeys, the movie Janet and David Peoples.
3: And it's also where you can go if you need cash now.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, in adapting, it just blew po- my mind. <laughs> <laughs> got an Eric and... Um, Eric and what's-his-name going on right now. So in adapting Twelve Monkeys to a series, Dr. Raleigh's first name was changed from Catherine to Cassandra. In one scene in the film, uh, Catherine is giving a lecture about the mythological Greek figure Cassandra. And who Hmm. Cassandra? Yeah, I think that's both a reference to the original film, and,
1: I mean, Cassandra is the Greek mythological character when it comes to, like, knowing
0: the future. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If For those of you that have not watched the movie, Cassandra is the one who is, knows the future, but everybody, nobody believes her when she gives her predictions. So when uh, Jennifer Cole, Cassandra, and Deacon go back to 1989 to steal, steal and copy the time map, which I don't know if I've seen this movie. Have I mean, uh, seen this episode it yet? It is not in the first season, because I don't know what the hell this is about. Okay, so when we finally see this, they go to steal the time map, whatever that is. They enter a hotel lobby wearing 80s era clothing, and Cole is wearing the exact clothes that Marty McFly wears in Back to the Future.
3: So it's turning into time
0: bandits. Ooh, that would be. I got the weirdest geek boner right now for that. That would <laughs> be time bandits. The show. The idea of Jennifer, Cole, Cassandra,
1: and Deacon all doing anything together. Is fucking with my brain. It really
0: is. Why would Deacon be there? I, I know. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, and the other um, thing that I noticed in there is that episode three or four, Cole is wearing the same Hawaiian shirt that Bruce Willis was wearing at the end of the uh, movie with the tigers all over it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I Madonna. So, yeah, because, well, you know, me and Hawaiian shirts. So, listeners, if any of you know where to get that Tiger shirt, buy it and mail it to me because I don't, I don't want to buy it. <laughs> Send me clothing. I'll wear it and then take pictures of it.
2: <laughs> Kinky. Yeah. Get a picture of Mike's dark alley. In a world. No. one.
0: <laughs> so, um, so how far into this, into the first season did all of us get? Episode Three.
2: Uh, three?
0: Joel. Yeah, they were still kind of doing Clue of the Week
1: by episode three.
2: I just, I could not. I, I had a lot going on this week anyway, but I, I just couldn't get into it for some reason. I don't know why. I I, I don't know if it was Aaron Stanford or...
3: Uh, really? I was hooked after the first episode.
2: I, yeah.
1: lo- I loved that pilot. And the thing is, is there's a reason I was trying to... Push you
0: guys to get to five because there's a big tonal shift at five. Mm-hmm. Something really big happens like, at episode five.
1: <laughs> uh, you were trying to say something, Pat? No,
3: we'll get there. We'll get there.
2: Um, like I, I said, don't hold uh, back with spoilers if you.
3: No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Okay, well, fuck it, I'll just say it. I mean, I I was all in after the pilot. I loved the pilot. I was jazzed. I was like, all oh, right, this is going to be awesome. And every episode I've watched since then, I'm on episode. I just finished episode six, and every episode, it's just my, my love is waning. The, the shine is off the apple, as they say. I'm getting I'm getting less enthralled as it keeps going.
1: Hmm. Huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And For me, it was the opposite because uh, I think a lot of critics uh, said, "Oh, the time travel doesn't make sense." And my response is, "You didn't watch enough episodes."
3: Yeah. No. I don't. Even, it's not even a plot thing. It's just I mean, like like I I feel like there's too much filler going on. There. There. They have too much many episodes to fill out. I think this is perfect as a movie or maybe as like a, you know, a, a six, seven, eight series, you know.
2: Like a mini series?
3: Yeah, but I, I think there's there's just too much to, like, they're just stretching out some things that don't need to be stretched out.
2: I have a feeling, though, just from what I did see and some of the throwaway stuff, like when he ends up uh, in Korea in 2000, whatever, and leaves a scrap of paper, that all of that will come back. That it all ties together. I don't know if that's true, but no, that's doesn't. the sense I mm. got.
1: Yeah, the first season is very, very tight. You think they're going to leave a loose end and there's going to be lazy writing. And You find out, sometimes not until the season finale, that no, this was part of the plan from episode one. Mm-hmm.
2: You mean the writer's plan? absolutely yes, yes. Okay.
3: I, I like the concept i like the original movie and i like this enough i'm gonna watch the whole first season but I, I don't know depending on how it goes i may or may not continue on
1: yeah i know in the first half of the episode we were talking mike was saying that it was a point of contention like how much did you like that the army of the 12 monkeys was just these weird environmentalists that wanted to put giraffes on the jersey turn bike
3: yeah did you did you enjoy that plot twist or did you think it was a cop-out
1: Right. In this, the army of the twelve monkeys, what they are and what they want, is a series
0: wide mystery. hmm The gr- what do they call him? Is it the gray man? Uh the uh, Slender Man.
3: Well they mo- they mostly refer to him Slender. as
0: Pale. Oh, Pale Man. That's right. Yeah, yeah Slender Man is something else. If Slender Man was in this, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um but I'm looking at I'm looking at the um the uh uh episode list and I think i I made it to episode nine is where I finally uh finally stopped and what I like one of the things that I like about it is that they kind of give you hints about what's happening give you a they give you something to think about between episodes through Rayleigh's watch you know how like the scratch appears and disappears depending on what's going on
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know that's yeah I mean there is a
1: sense that no matter what's going on things are moving back to the way they're supposed to be mm-hmm. Which is a theme from the film. In the film, they're not even trying to change things. No. In this one, one of the big differences is they're trying to stop the plague from ever happening.
0: Yeah, that is a big change from it. I think that is what makes this work as a TV show versus the movie.
3: But one of the things that I kind of was starting to get annoyed with the second time they used it was was, you know, okay, this is going to do it, and then they do it. Oh, it didn't do it. Oh, no, well, let's go back and, you know, do more detective work and figure out, you know, it's like, like you can't keep doing this.
1: <laughs> uh, eventually, Pat, if you continue on with the show, I think you're going to find that the characters, at least some of them, get just as fatigued as you are. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm in the episode. Does this even fucking matter?
3: Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, that's where I am right now, where he's confronting Jones and everything about, you know, how many more jumps do I have and blah, blah.
0: Oh, that's the one you ended with? Yeah. How many jumps do I have? Not as many as I wish. Yeah. Oh, you got to keep watching.
3: Oh, I'm going to. I mean, I I enjoyed it enough early on that I'm going to see where the the story arc goes, but depending on how they finish it, I may or may not check out.
1: Yeah. I I always say I'm going to continue on with this or that when I watch something for the show. Mm -hmm. I didn't for Lost in Space. I didn't for a bunch of other stuff. This one unfortunately I got to the end of season one and they hit such a major cliffhanger that I feel that
2: I have to continue. Mm. See, and th- That's the thing that I'm, I, I struggled with when I watched it is that the movie is based on a 30 minute short film and the series is based on the movie and the series is four seasons. And I'm like, how are they going to take this fairly simplistic plot and stretch it out? And so, uh, I mean, I'm and curious,
3: there, you about have that. Some filler episodes.
2: right. Where you get kind of, uh, like you said, "fatigued" is a good word for it. But I think the biggest problem I had with the series was how fast and loose they played with the time travel. Which, like I said in the original, they didn't do here. It's like, okay, well, we're going to send you back here. Okay, that didn't work. Let's send you here. And it's just like he's constantly going back and forth, and there's no. Uh, it's it seems very simple. Yet they don't have enough power to send him back to 1987, but they can keep sending him back and forth every five minutes. So it's kind of like, okay. I don't quite get this.
1: The time travel seems like total nonsense until almost the end of the first season. I will say that. Hmm. Um, There is a plan. There is a design at work. And I could forgive critics or even viewers,
0: like, check out before they get there. Um, I could could see that happening where if you're... I mean, and I wasn't joking, is like when... When you start watching this, it's one of those things like, oh, holy crap, okay, episode three, this happened, this happened, this and this happened, this happened, which created this to happen. And then something will happen, I think, what was it, when they were escaping, they were escaping the lab and Cole gets shot. You don't know who shot him, but then you find it out three episodes later that it was actually um, uh, Cassandra's boyfriend that shot him. Yeah, I Aaron. Wondered, Aaron, yeah.
2: I wondered if he was not a good guy. Well, no, no he's That's not that he's not.
0: Yeah. Ugh, God, stinks. I want us, don't.
1: Well, and it's funny because you've got minor characters like Jose and Jones in the movie who are like throwaway characters almost who get almost entire episodes devoted to like, let's explore this person in the show.
0: Mm-hmm. And it kind of works because they give you, it, I think it gives you the, the or a little bit of look into the motivation by what like what Deacon is doing about why people are doing what they're doing. Um, like that whole uh, the whole uh, I think it's like two or three episodes that are all about, um, Cole and um, what's his name, Cole and Jose, like how they survived after the the um disease took over.
3: And to me, that kind of felt like a filler episode. I, d- I didn't enjoy that one as much.
0: No? No. Now, see, I like that because it kind of it, it gives me so a little bit more backstory into the characters.
1: Right. Like the future almost isn't a real place in the movie. It's almost a parody. but mm-hmm. uh in the show, the future is a fully realized location.
0: Yeah. There are people that are immune to this disease. But, I mean, it, it, it's, would it's be. kind of a, you know,
3: it's a strange uh, situation because basically if their mission succeeds, they all just go away.
0: Well, and that that is, I hate to say that it's a recurring thing, but it's like when Cole comes back and several times where he's like, oh, okay, I did this. Why has nothing changed? And it does get, I won't lie, it does get a little old.
3: Yeah, that's that's the part where I'm saying like it just it's it, it stretched out a little too much.
0: But stick with it.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to watch the first season.
0: No, you must watch two seasons, <laughs> and then you get I, the
3: I, I'm the only season. I'm only going to the end of the first before I make that decision.
2: <sighs> if the cliffhanger is as, as cliffhangery as Josh recomm or is suggesting, then you may not have a choice.
1: And that was my feeling. Like, is if I had stopped where Joel had, I probably could have said, "Okay, this one's in the books." But once I watched episode five, I was like, "Now I need to keep going." Mm-hmm.
3: And, I didn't I didn't get that from episode five.
1: No. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as soon as they start to expand the threats in the future world and you start to push a little deeper into the world of Jennifer Goines, a lot of this is going to be on the strength of Emily Hampshire's performance. Every time she uh, shows up and her character and her almost like obsession, I don't want to say love, but her connection with Cole is uh, kind of developed a little bit. I want to see more of that. Not so much a love. I would say obsession. Yeah, because there's one point, and I'm not sure who's gotten there, but uh, <clears throat> where she's like, "I would do anything for you," I, and that, like she is unhinged in a very different way from Jeffrey Goines. I think
0: that Jeffrey Goines versus Jennifer Goines is he he needed to be the fast and quick crazy guy. Here they have so much more time to br- uh, like, really flesh out who Jennifer Goines is.
2: Why? Well, and uh, the motivations are different, it sounds like. hmm The actual motivations.
1: Oh, for sure. And where Christopher Plummer's character as the father is barely developed, uh, the Go- uh, Mr. Goines in this is a very, very important character. hmm
3: And I really, I think my favorite scene so far was... Uh... The one where, where Leland Goines has them, you know, right before he, he puts the two watches together. That whole mm-hmm. scene where he's like, you know, what did I do that was so monumental that you, the laws of physics had to be broken?
1: <laughs> right.
3: That was a pretty good scene.
1: Uh, the other thing I thought was a cool uh, connection to the original is uh, Cole as Bruce Willis. The reason why they keep sending him back is that he's very good at remembering details. They don't explicitly state that in the series, but there's a few moments where Aaron Stanford's coal like, just rattles off a series of numbers.
3: Well, yeah, like the license plate. On
0: the yeah, band. that was exactly the moment I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. And it's, I like that they did it that way versus I remember things, you know. Well,
3: it, they, it, they make a, a, a strong case in the, in the pilot, you know, talking about how he's basically a living computer.
1: Yeah, yeah even little details from the movie, maybe this suffers from a little over explaining, but like, there's a big plot point about how much, uh, coal is into Key West, Florida. hmm That's almost a throwaway moment in, in the, uh, movie, but they decide that we're going to plumb all of the depths of the original film. And like, let's see what we can do playing
0: with these details. Yeah. It's, And you know what I I find even more fun about this or actually impressive about this is because if you look at the first 10 10 episodes, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's like nine different writers in the first 10 episodes or the first season. It's for them to talk to, I'll get all these people and get, I can't even imagine what the continuity board must look like for this show. It's like the crime
3: board where they're trying to figure out where the... <laughs> it's
0: who, who, who is from, I just thought of the board it's in fair, Always it's Sunny.
3: That's a real board that they used to write from. <laughs>
0: no, just remembered from Always Sunny.
3: Um, oh, God, yeah. What, there is no Carol in HR.
0: No, who? What's the name of the guy that he's... Sylvia. <laughs> there is no H.A. Sylvia. I love Everybody's that scene. So um but yeah, I mean the 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 amount of time that they're spending in making sure that this the continuity is sticking correctly for the show is really good. I'm I'm glad that they're taking that much time into it.
1: Yeah. We talked a little bit about fringe earlier in the episode, uh, with the Kark Acevedo uh connection. If you're a fan of Fringe, I honestly think you're gonna love this.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm um, a fan of Fringe, and I love this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I when I first subscribed to Hulu, I thought it was a waste of money. Um, but this is one of the things that uh, has made paying for Hulu every month kind of worth it.
2: Mm-hmm. 40 and 14, brought to you by Hulu.
1: And Amazon Prime, and IMDb, and Wikipedia. And Netflix.com.
3: And Netflix, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and the letter M.
1: All right. Mom. Elmo's mom sucks penis. For
3: Mamo. For,
2: <laughs> for money. Send us some.
0: <laughs> All right. So without giving any spoilers, are we giving thumbs up, thumbs down? We may as well. That's the show. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So original, I'm going to guess, go out on a limb, four thumbs up. I'd say you are correct, sir. All right. For the show.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to argue.
0: I'm going to go with at least two thumbs up from me and Josh.
3: No, I'm a thumbs up
2: pretty obvious yeah
3: i just hope it doesn't peter out
2: and i Eh. peter eh, um i i have the first season all ready to go so i will more than likely if i only had
3: six weeks to watch it all so
2: we'll we'll consider finishing (laughs) it and see where i go from there i would still give it a thumbs up um just overall i mean it's it's interesting it just hadn't caught my attention and time travel was bothering me a little bit the way that it was handled but other than that uh, I, I still think it's it was decent better than you know
1: not. i, I knew that was ago. gonna be your uh uh reaction which is why i was kind of like subtly pushing get to episode five but i knew you had a lot of shit going on so that might not
0: happen mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah definitely get to episode five and then come back and talk to us <laughs> Yeah, if you're still completely like,
1: I don't think this is for me at episode five, then you might not like the show. No, yeah, I'm I am though. overwhelmingly thumbs up for this. I'm probably going to watch the other two seasons.
2: I thought there were four seasons. Uh, time travel. I think the
0: fourth season just ended.
2: Yeah, I thought that the fourth season was... Oh, maybe there's only three on Hulu, but there are four total. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there's four seasons. So I looked it up because I was like, how are they going to stretch this out?
3: That's my thoughts exactly on the whole thing.
2: Oh, you're right. There are four seasons total. Yeah, like a ten-episode uh, series event or whatever they call it, event series. Uh, I agree with you, Pat. That seemed more sensible, but again, I haven't seen enough of it to know how they're stretching it out. Filler
1: episodes. Oh, <laughs> stop it.
2: Even if Deacon is the poor man's Negan.
3: Yeah, I yeah. I definitely <laughs>
1: felt- <laughs> 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 All right. Yeah, when I saw his character, I was like, thank God. This was like a year before
0: Negan. Right. Nice. All right. So, uh, Joel, we kind of talked about it before. Let's go over it again. What are we doing next week?
2: Next week, the four of us will be at Gen Con. And we are going to be recording our 250th episode, which will feature Back to the Future versus Rick and Morty.
0: Yeah. So, if you're out at Gen Con, look us up. Just dig around and see if... uh, you can find the Instant Game Show. We will be there. Yeah,
1: and if you want to tell us why our time travel theories are complete bullshit or uh, why Bruce Willis is a better James Cole, you can always give us a call at 708
0: now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. Mm-hmm. you can find our older stuff on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, dot com, And, yeah, we will be looking at you with our lusting eyes next week. Yeah. That was for you, Brian.
2: (laughs) Come down my dark alley. And
0: rap.
3: He's gonna fuck you in it.
2: (laughs)
0: I've got surprises for you guys for when we get to Gen Con. I hope it's a big cookie.
2: <laughs> I hope it's a small cookie. I think you've done this. Mine one. was a Smokey and the Bandit reference. Mine was a Joel reference. <laughs> He's referencing
0: himself. It's joel Seption. <laughs> <laughs>